August 4th, 2023. We're in Masechet We're going to go back a few lines just in order to fill out this sugya. About 13 lines from the bottom of the Amud, uh, four words before the end of the line. And very briefly, the context is an opinion of Rabbi Yitzhak. That's really what's most necessary for our purposes. Rabbi Yitzhak's opinion is, as we were a moment ago discussing, that um, if I'm dealing with something that's called mukseh, or davar she'enonital, it's something I can't be moved, I'm not allowed in turn to pick up something with the express purpose of somehow helping or dealing with that mukseh item. The specifics in our context are, I want to cover it. So the covering, of course, is not mukseh, but the item that I'm looking to cover might be, and that's the circumstance we're talking about, mukseh. According to Rabbi Yitzhak, you wouldn't be able to even pick up that covering in order to place it on the mukseh item. The Gemara has been challenging, dealing with that opinion of Rabbi Yitzhak. And here it is, Tashema, we're citing from a Beraita the following, Porsin Mahaselet, excuse me, let's go down a few more lines over here. No, good. Tashema, Porsin Mahaselet Al-Gabe, Kaveret Devorim Beshabbat. So the Beraita says that it's permitted to take a mahatzelet, a mat or a tarp of some sort, place it on top of a beehive on Shabbat. The statement in turn, finishing this, this comment in the Beraitai is, uh, the reason you might be placing that tarp on top of the kaveret shel devorim is bahama during the sunny time in order to protect it from the sun, during the rainy time geshamim in order to protect it from the rain. Now, of course, we turn to Rabbi Yitzhak and we ask him, how do you rationalize this Beraita? How could you understand that the beehive is any way, shape, or form not mukseh? Now, if you do admit that it's mukseh, whereas my opinion, Ula, the other opinion in the Gemara mind state is, well, listen, the beehive I'm not moving, I'm putting something on top of it, that's permitted. According to you, beats Hawk, everything we just discussed, it's prohibited. There's a rabbinic restriction of placing anything on top of it because it itself is mukseh. In turn, placing something, dealing with it in any way would be mukseh as well. Ubilvad, before we get up to this specific question and answer, just read the last words together with me. Ubilvad, shiloyit kaven lasud. The final statement in this beraitai is, uh, it says, listen, you're allowed to place the tarp on top of the beehive sun or rain. However, make certain that your intention is not to trap. We're going to have to return to those words as well, but we should already note that on Shabbat, trapping, seda, is one of the 39 melachot. So for some reason that's inserted as well. It really seems like we might be dealing with more than one issue over here, but effectively the Beraita says there's no issue of the placement, the issue would be specifically the intention and in turn the outcome of the trapping. And there's, so no, there's also no issue with trapping inadvertently without intention, which maybe would have been a problem, I thought. Uh, I think I understand what you're saying. Uh, inadvertently, again, Actually, the issue... I, meaning I'll still trap the bees, I just don't mean to trap the bees. Right. So in other words, what, what our Beraita, let's mention it already from now, Jared says, is telling us in those final words is, even if, it appears to say, even if there will be a trapped situation, provided that my intention was not to trap, that's what's permitted. Now, we already some time ago, and more than once in this Masechet, talked about a concept called Davar She'eno Mitkaven. When it comes to Shabbat, the Torah and Shemot Perek Lamed says that in the description of the Mishkan, it's Melechet Mahashevet. And in turn, we understand that by Shabbat as well. It needs to be purposeful vision and mindset as you might do melacha on Shabbat. And therefore, 
when it comes to Shabbat, Rabbi Shimon's opinion is, the classic example is, I'm pulling a, a kise mitav safsal. I'm pulling a chair, a bench, or a bed on, a fir- on the ground outside, or even in my home by extension if I had dirt floor, and I'm carrying it, and by so doing, I make a ditch in the ground. But it wasn't my intention. I didn't want that ditch in the ground per se. At the very least, it wasn't the reason I was pulling the, the, any of those uh, items. Uh, what's the halakha in such a circumstance? According to the Bishimon, it's okay. According to the Bishimon, Walking the soul is an interesting one as well. What's the melacha per se? Unless you're going to tell me it's the stamping of my shoe onto it. Moving the snow per se is not a melacha of digging. A furrow and a ditch is only when it's, uh, when it's something that's, that's dirt, something that, uh, that can grow from it. That's how we learn that. So in other words, we can and should, on another occasion, talk about you know, snowballs or something like that. But just moving snow, technically speaking, Chacham Vadya Yosef writes, I can't believe we're talking about snow already. He writes that even <laughs> shoveling, really even, sand, even shoveling snow, provided that it's not overly, <laughs> you know, exerting, is permitted as well. Right? In other words, that's that that malacha. But again, but to just finish that thought, so Jared says this seems to be only following the opinion of Rabbi Shimon that davar sheino mitkaven is mutar. According to Rabbi Uda, who doesn't distinguish and says, okay, that was your intention, but ultimately speaking, what happened? Your hayav, or at the very least, it's asu. That seems to not be what we're working with. Let's keep that in mind as we go ahead in this Gemara. Says the Gemara, okay, so now I have a challenge to Rabi Yitzhak again. How could it be Rabi Yitzhak that you're allowed to cover the beehive? I thought that the beehive is mukseh and placing something onto it in turn should be asur. Answers the Gemara, hatam nameh de'ika devash. Hatam there as well, nameh de'ika, that there is sheyesh devash, there was honey. And the honey, which is present in the beehive, which is edible for me and you, in turn makes the whole beehive not mukseh. But there's other parts of the beehive. That's right, but the purpose of this beehive, in my mind, and as I approach it and as I cover it, is for the honey. Honey's permitted. The challenge of Rav Ukva to Rav Ashe is, wait a second, there was a double mention in that Beraita with regards to when and why you might be covering this beehive. It said in the rainy season to uh, protect it from the rain, it said during the hot season to protect it from the sun. Uh, aren't you aware of how honey production works? Honey production is only taking place during the sunny season. And as a result, it can't be that the expressed purpose and reason that this Beraita permits covering the beehive is only because of the devash, the honey which is inside of it. There is no honey inside of it during the rain season. And nonetheless, it's permitted. The suggestion in turn is that even when it's the rainy season, and your beehive is not producing, bringing forth any honey, you nonetheless leave at the very least two honeycombs within it. Why do you leave those two honeycombs? For the sustenance of the bees, so that the bees don't flee or die. And therefore, the suggestion of the Gemara internal Rav Ashe in defending Rabid's Hakis, the reason that beehive is not mukseh, because if it was mukseh, you couldn't cover it, is because of the beehives that are inside of it. And those beehives which are inside of it, I'm sorry, the honeycombs which are inside of it, thank you, the two honeycombs inside of it, would be and could be edible, it's not mukseh, says the Gemara, but wait a second. 
honeycombs are not muxeh, isn't their expressed purpose, your mindset, as you left them in there for the consumption of the bees, for the sustenance of the creatures, not for yourself, and as a result, they should be muxeh? Otan halot muxotin. I got it, they're edible, but they're still muxeh. You can have something that's edible, but it's not for me. It's expressively and fully and completely for those bees, answers the Gemara. It's a funny circumstance, difficult to wrap your head around, but what must we be dealing with over here? The person, or the individual who's covering this beehive, which the beats hot, even the beats hot is permitting to do, is a situation where, yes, it's the winter season, and yes, there are two honeycombs, which, yes, are generally speaking specifically and only for the bees. Over here, your mindset was it's for the bees and for me, or it's for me, I'm going to enjoy this, and as a result, I'm covering it during the rainy season because it's not mukseh. Has it not mukseh? Because of those honeycombs, which would be consumable, could be, uh, could, could be eaten or enjoyed by a human. Says the Gemara, and finishing this up, this is what we got up to yesterday. Are you telling me as a result that that detail is critical? The only time in which the beehive will be permitted with regards to even covering it is if I had the mindset with regards to those honeycombs beforehand that I'm going to eat from them. Otherwise, it's Asur. So the Gemara will, from time to time, get technical like this, but let me explain to you very briefly what the technicality looks like. We have this Beraita, right? The Beraita gives us a principle, and then it gives us details. So what was the principle? You're allowed to cover the beehive. Detail. However, make certain that you don't have intention to hunt, to uh, trap. That was the Beraita. Principle, detail. Now, when I have principle and detail, you imagine that that detail is the critical detail. That's it. As long as you checked off that box, it's permitted. It's okay. Well, you're telling me there's another detail that's relevant over here. The other detail is a very important one. My mindset had to be that I'm going to enjoy those honeycombs. How come the Beraita didn't say that? The Beraita could have and should have instead said the following. You're allowed to cover the Kaveret Sheol Devorim, whether it's during the summer or even during the winter, provided that, instead of saying, provided that you don't have intention to trap, say, provided that you had intention to eat from the honeycomb. That's it. Why didn't it say that? Adetane, until it taught. In other words, instead of teaching that detail, why didn't you t- teach this detail? It's a lot more in place. After all, to talk about trapping, I mean, you're out there. We're talking about just the very action of placing it on. That's a very basic detail. Says the Gemara, it was assumed. It was assumed? That's right. This is what the Beraita was truly stating. The assumption is you and I know we got past the stage of mukseh in this beraita. How'd you get past the stage of mukseh? It's a beehive for heaven's sake, and there's no honey inside of it. There's honeycombs, but they're going to be consumed, they're going to be used by the bees. Okay, so of course that's what I'm talking about. And I'm trying to give you a class on trapping, and you're getting stuck up. I meant that you thought about it before. Even though you thought about it in advance, your mindful intent was to enjoy these honeycombs. So there's no problem of right? We added one detail. So in other words, what the Gemara's suggestion is, whereas its question was, you gave me a principle and the detail was not refined enough, the, the Gemara says the, 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 the principle 
you couldn't have read it otherwise. It went without stating. Of course that was your mindset. I, I, I walk into the, 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 the class and I want to cl- give you a class on one uh, halakha. And someone asks a question and says, but what about... And, of course, I, I'm not... You know, I'm, I'm talking about um, I don't know, walking into a room on Shabbat and the lights are on and you're enjoying... Oh, but Rabbi, one second, were you allowed to put on the... No, I wasn't talking about that. I went without stating. I was telling you the halakha beyond that. I was two stages removed over here. Uh, just uh, yesterday, I was giving a class on hadlakat neirot. Hadlakat neirot, should you turn off the lights before? Should you, uh, is it okay to leave them on? But someone says, wait a second, what is the, how does that affect if I'm doing it? Uh, uh, of course, in that situation. Words, that's what the Gemara suggests over here. Of course, there's no question that you got around the issue of Muqseh, the particular specific context of this Beraita was, says the Gemara, okay, that being the case, let's get to Jared's issue. Then, ukimta means to place or to establish. So how did you establish this Beraita? According to our reading of this Beraita, everybody could agree with it. What do I mean by everybody? Both Ula, Ula is the rabbi who maintains that even on Muqseh, I could place on top of it, I could somehow service it, no problem. Uh, even it'll be Itzhak who says generally you can't, and over here he says you can. Why does he say over here you can? Because it's not Muqseh. That would mean that we're effectively suggesting this Beraita accords with not only the opinion who says there's no Muqseh, but even the opinion who says there's Muqseh and a broad Muqseh. Whose opinion is Muqseh from Daf Bet, Daf Gima? We know this is Rabbi Yehuda. Bemai ukimta kirbi Yehuda de'it le Muqseh. Your suggestion was this Beraita follows even the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says there's Muqseh issues, and nonetheless you're telling me somehow, some fashion, Rav that you can read this Beraita according to his opinion. Ema sefa. Wait a second, Rabbi Huda, let me wrap my head around that again. You're telling me Rabbi Huda would uh, read this Beraita and say, yeah, that's right, that's my words. That's your words, but I thought it's Mukse. it's not Mukse. you thought about it beforehand. It's not Mukse. it's not Mukse. Okay, continue reading the Beraita. The Beraita says, but make certain that you don't have intention to trap. One second, Rabbi Huda, who cares what your intention was? That's what Jared asked us at the very beginning of the class. According to Rabbi Huda, davar no mitkaven. Even when your intention is not to do that, when I moved the bench and it made the fire on the ditch in the ground, according to Rabbi Huda, you're in trouble. You made a mistake. Nonetheless, according to Rabbi Shimon, but it wasn't my intention. Says the Gemara, how do you read the next words of the Beraita? Now I have an internal issue because of the final statement. I'm done with Mukseh. You got around the issue of Mukseh. You told me I assumed that you give me all the details. I, Got it. How do you read the next words? How does that read in accordance? It says the Gemara, Ema Sefa, Ubilvat Shalait Kavin Lasud. It says in the Beraita, however, this is all provided that your intention was not to trap Atan Rabbi Shimon. That would only follow the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Mutar. That statement is that Davar She'en Mitkaven is Mutar if I have an unintentional. Again, not with regards to the action. I intended to do the action. There are different types of things when it comes to any action we do. You cannot intend to do the action at all. I tripped. I didn't know the the reality. Separate situation. Here, it's a purposeful action. I dragged. I covered the uh, bihar. That's certainly purposeful. The question when I talk about purpose or non-purpose is the intention for the outcome. Was I interested in this outcome? You knew that outcome? Okay, maybe I knew, but was I interested in that? That's davar she'en mitkaven. So says the Gemara, again, this would now pose a problem because we can't read the Beraita properly according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. You started with Mukseh, Rabbi Yehuda. You finished with davar she'en mitkaven mutar. Rabbi Shimon says the Gemara, v'tisperad Rabbi Shimon. 
Oh, wait a second. Do you really think even Rabbi Shimon would agree to this beraita? Let's for a moment imagine the situation. The beehive is right here. I take the tarp and I cover the beehive. Now, by covering this beehive, effectively, every single one of the bees who are inside, which is inside of this hive, is now trapped. Now, the principle is, and we're going to read it in a moment, we're all familiar with it, I think, whether the words or the case or whatever, is that even Rabbi Shimon, even the opinion who maintains that it's permitted to do something, if my intention was not for that outcome, if perforce, if certainly that outcome would come, even Rabbi Shimon agrees it's us. For example, let's say it rains very rapidly today. And tonight I say, all right, I'd like to pull this chair across my yard. Now in that situation, there's no doubt that that chair, because it's fertile ground, will make a mark, will make a ditch. That situation, even Rabbi Shimon says it's Asur. That's the famous words, pesik reshe. Lifsok rosh means to cut off a head. The classic example is, could you, according to Rabbi Shimon, the, the lenient opinion, who says, as long as it wasn't your mindset, could you, if your child needs a ball to play with, if you need a ball to play with, and you look at the chicken head and say, that's the fantastic situation, I'll play with that chicken head. Chop off the chicken's head and then play with it. Well, ultimately speaking, my intention was not to take the life of the chicken, would Rabbi Shimon say it's permitted? Are you kidding me? Pesik He has an incredulous rhetorical question. You think you could chop off its head and it won't die? That's for sure, Asur. Everyone agrees to that. Back to our case. When I covered this beehive, even according to the Bishimon, what type of statement is that? So we're no longer thinking about Mukseh. We're now thinking about purpose, about intentionality. How could you tell me that covering a beehive is in any way mutar? You covered the beehive, there's now all bees trapped. Rabbi Yehuda, Davar She'enu Mitkaven, of course it's Asur, I don't understand the same. But even according to Rabbi Shimon, Davar She'enu Mitkaven is Mutar, this is Pesik Reshe'e. Ask the Gemara, uh, wait a second, are you serious? Vetisbera, uh, um, three lines from the bottom, Sivara means logic, is this logical? Does this make sense to you? Did Bishimon, that this follows the opinion of Bishimon? Don't we all know the opinion, the words of Abaye and Rava, the Amre Tarvayu in Aramaic, Tere means two. Both of them said, Moder Bishimon, even the lenient opinion, that of Bishimon agrees. When you cut off the head, it's certainly going to die. That means it's prohibited. So how could you read this bit? I talk according to any opinion. That's the Gemara standstill at this point. Very nice, Al. Very nice, as always. It says the Gemara, Le'olam, Kula. What a guy. Le'olam. Wait, you kidding me? It's on the wrong daf. Le'olam, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Le'olam, Kirbi Huda. The Gemara says we can maintain even, I love you. We can maintain even according to the Bihuda. And over here, what is the case? In other words, we're resolving the issue. You initially asked me, how does it work according to the Biuda Davar Kaven Asur? Then you said, I can't understand it even according to the Bishwan answers the Gemara. I can work this out according to everyone. How so? As Alan said, hacha over here, bimai askinan, what are we dealing with? We're painting the scenery, we're giving context. Deit be shiyeshbo, there are kave. Kave means little windows, little holes. In other words, the covering, which makes a lot of sense, by the way, at least in my mind, you're covering it because you don't want the rain to hit it. Now, if it's very windy, it's harder to understand this. But if it's not very windy, you're just covering the top. 
You don't need it to encase the whole thing. You need something to go on top, maybe cover the very top of the of the kaveda uh, devorim. The fact that it's open on the sides, you know, who has any problem with that? The bees, maybe they need air. You don't have any. You just don't want the water hitting it or the sun hitting it from above. Says the Gemara, And in turn, you have to change the words in the Beraita. It's not that your intention is not to, or provided that your intention is not to trap, ela ela, rather the words in the Beraita should read, mesuda. It should not become a trap. It should not become something which fully encases. All right, that being the case, the Gemara then has resolved matters for us. There's one last issue. And again, if you've noticed, we've quickly transitioned. Uh, Alan uh, wished for this at the beginning of the class. Take us a little bit away from mukse, from dried fruits. Quickly transitioned into trapping animals or trapping creatures on Shabbat. Says the Gemara, if everything you just read to me and told me right now is so, okay, I got the mukse issue out of the way, it's not on my mind any longer, but now I'm talking about trapping. And you told me that I put something on top of it, it's summer or winter, I'm provided Again, none of the mukse issues any longer. I have no problem with regards to trapping. Who would have believed there was a problem with trapping? There is openings, and you're just putting something on top. There's no problem of mukse, you told me. There's no problem of trapping. Why would that be a problem of trapping? Once I put something on top, you don't need a statement here. This beraita is a superfluous beraita. It's, it's such a simple statement. It can't be that that's the beraita. That's, that's, uh, that's childish. That's, that's a simple statement. Can I put this item on you? Of course you could. Why not? You don't need a beraita to peshita. Ask the Gemara. If, that's, if everything you just painted for me, if all the context, all the situational stuff that you provided is true, I don't understand the novelty. What's the hidush of this beraita? Answers the Gemara. And somewhat of a controversy how to read this. Mahu de tema bemino nitsod asur shelo bemino nitsod mutar ka mashma'lan. The Gemara answers the following says the Gemara, you would have perhaps believed, now we'll have to understand what the punchline is, but that the only time trapping is prohibited on Shabbat and Yom Tob is if it's bemino, a mean is a species, nitsod generally trapped. If I'm dealing with a uh, wild animal outside, a deer, I was going to say that, but who, we try to catch deer. Um, if it's a deer, it's b'minon itzot. People trap it. You can't trap that on Shabbat or Yom Tov, no question. What about you dealing with bees? Who traps bees? You might have a beehive. Who traps bees? There's no professional bee trappers. Nobody's interested in trapping bees. The only thing you want the bee for is to provide for you the uh, honey. Maybe you want it dead, but you don't want to trap a bee. Maybe the isur on Shabbat, the violation better yet on Shabbat of seda, of trapping, is only when the creature, excuse me, when the thing that you're trapping is in part of its normal species treatment is to trap it. When it comes to a bee, Maybe it should therefore be permitted. The final words in the Beraita make certain, as we're reading it now, that the whole thing is not encased. There's not a trap around it because then you'd have a problem. Is a hidush. I would have thought there's no problem when it comes to bees. Why would I have thought there's no problem when it comes to bees? Because bees are not trappable items. Not that you can't trap them. That's just not the way people do things. Okay, the Gemara says, Kamash ma'lan. Kamash ma'lan means this Beraita teaches us it's not so. What's not so? What's the punchline? Are bees even though they're not trappable, prohibited, and the hidush, the novelty, is a stringent one and much larger encompassing, which would mean you're not allowed to trap ants and you're not allowed to trap, I don't, you name it, anything else, 
Or alternatively, is the way you read this final line, Kamashmalan the Hidushis, yes. If it's a bee, as you imagine the bee, that they're not generally trapped, it is permitted. The novelty over here is that bees are trapped. In other words, it's a reality within the narrow confines of bees. That's the question here in the punchline of the Gemara. Again, if I'm dealing with another species, another creature, not bees, and generally speaking, people don't trap them, is that, at the very least, rabbinically prohibited? That might be the punchline of our Gemara. Punchline is, you see, it's Asur. That's the way many of the poskim, that's the way we go halacha lemaase, that even species which are not b'minonitzot, even the small creatures, which are, who traps those, you still can't trap them on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Not from the Torah, but rabbinically, from this line in the Gemara. Alternatively, ironically, Bet Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, the author of Shohan Aruch himself, reads this line differently. His punchline over here is, if it's en b'minonitzot, if generally speaking it's not trapped, it's permitted, 100%. Only bees, and bees, not rabbinically speaking, bees, biblically speaking, that's the hidush. Apparently they're biminan nitzot. Apparently that's the hidush. In other words, we reversed in terms of our scientific, animological, zoological understanding. The rabbis told us at the punchline, by the way, bees are trapped. That's the hidush of the beraita. Okay, so that's first and foremost. We go lechum. If a bee comes into your house, whether on Shabbat or Yom Tov, there's a controversy in the poskim, which has everything that we just mentioned. However, is if it's an animal that might sting you, you can briefly trap them and take them outside. You can't kill them, commonly misunderstood halacha. You could, he bases this on the Tosafot, has anything and everything to do with what we just discussed, that there's a whole build up to it. You can briefly trap it and take it outside, fully permitted according to Hacham Vadya and many other poskim. That's certainly the way we do it in my home. Sure, but you have a bee at your table. You're going to just leave it open a little. You want it out. You trap, put it in the cup, and get it out the window. Separate issue. Here we're talking about actual trapping, right? What do you do about those trappers that you use on Oh, over there in that situation, you set it up before the holiday. Uh, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah there's, there's no problem to do so. Here we're talking about bekum you trap it with your hands on the holiday. That's where the problem would come up. All right, so that's what the Gemara then says. Uh, there's a little bit more in terms of ramification. Uh, just uh, uh, follow it through to the end of the uh, sugya together. Oh, before we finish the sugya, okay, because there's, there's one punchline over here at the end of the sugya. Let me just pause for a second and just take another step back in order to give you the, the vision of the way things work over here. You see, we mentioned davar no mitkaven, unintentional in terms of the outcome, action. And we mentioned as well, if it's certainly going to happen, it's prohibited. There is a basic and very important question that the poskim have. It's always quoted as a, a dispute, a mahlok between Trumat HaDeshen and Magen Abraham, two very important Ashkenazic poskim from several hundred years ago, about whether it's not a biblically um, prohibited action, but rabbinically prohibited action. The rabbi said, don't do this. And in that situation, it's a davar no mitkaven. It's not my intention, but it's certainly going to take place. It will certainly happen. In other words, when we said in our sugya that Rabbi Shimon agrees, that it's asur, would he say that even by a rabbinically restricted action? 
is a very important question. Because if that's permitted, a whole lot of things that we hold our Asur on Shabbat are actually permitted. And what I'm, what I'm really giving you is the fine print when, when Poskim write their Piskeh Halakha, when they write their decisions, this is always part of that conversation. Because if it's a rabbinically prohibited action to begin with, and it's only a Psikreshe, it wasn't my intention, if that's permitted, you have a lot of room for leniency. As I mentioned, it's a dispute, so it's far from simple, but it always gets into the conversation. Interestingly, a major dispute arises from here. Let's remember, it's a lot of details that we kind of just placed together, but let's remember what the, what's the final line of our Gemara over here. The final line of our Gemara is one of two very different punchlines. Either we're dealing with over here a rabbinically prohibited action of of trapping even en biminonitzod, the bees which are generally not trapped. Pause for a second. If that's the case, what did the Gemara tell us a moment ago? The Gemara said, but make certain, as Alan told us, that it's not fully covered. Why doesn't it need to be fully covered? It could even be fully covered. My intention is not to hunt it, is not to, to trap it. And nonetheless, it's Asur clearly. You see, Psikreshe on an Isur, de Rabbanan is still Asur. That's Magin Avraham's proof against Tirumat Adeshin. Again, if I'm only, if that's how I read the punchline. The response is, well, we had another way of reading the punchline of our Gemara. The punchline of our Gemara is that bees, according to Beit Yosef's reading, are biblically prohibited. They are hunted. They are trapped. And as a result, what's a, you told me, how could it be that you're not allowed to cover it entirely? It's psikreshe, but it's only on Yisur de Rabbanan. We're dealing with an Yisur from the Torah, according to the Beit Yosef. All right, put that on, to, you know, try that on for size. But what I'm telling you is that this sugya, these few lines, actually uh, lay seeds to a lot of the broader and very important fine line, fine wording uh, underneath the question and answer uh, conversations when it comes to Hilchot Shabbat. Let's just finish the whole sugya over here in this respect, because if you recall, everything that we just discussed was really precipitated. It all began with a question. If you recall, the question went as follows, very briefly. Rabbi Yitzhak, how could you maintain that placing something on that beehive is permitted? I thought if it's muqseh, you're not allowed to do that. I'm scaling you back to the very first words in today's class, the end words of the class yesterday. The answer of Rabbi Yitzhak, or the answer for Rabbi Yitzhak is, I'm interested in eating from the honey. That's why it's not muqseh, the beehive. The question was, how could that be? It says both during the summer months and the winter months. If it's the winter months or the rainy season, there's no honey coming in. Says Rav Asher, that's your question? That's, that was what was disturbing you? Now let me tell you how to properly read those words. Says the Gemara, Rav Asher Amar. He brings us back to that the whole conversation. Rav Asher Amar, Mikatane, Hama, Geshamim. Did you read the words of the Beraita carefully? The words of the Beraita were not during, I translated it that way, because that's why we understood it that way, but we understood it that way. It never said during the uh, sunny days. It never said during the rainy days. Rather, what did it say? It said during the sun, you can cover it from the sun. And during the rain, you can cover it from the rain. Don't know about you, but just this past week, we had sun and rain. I could describe a beehive during the summer, during the months of the Gemara, we'll say Nisan or Tishrei, which are somewhat sunny, but also rainy. And even in Eretz Yisrael or in Bavil, that was the reality. Eretz Yisrael is where the Beraita was composed. I wasn't talking about the winter rainy months. I was talking about the in-between months, when there is honey production. So your question was, there's no honey in the beehive during the rainy days? I wasn't talking about the rainy days in this Beraita. Mikatane, did we teach in the Beraita? 
Baraita, quote unquote, Biemota Hama, comma, quote unquote, Ubiemota Geshamim, question mark. Instead, what we said is Bahama. I talked about because of the sun, you protect the sun from the sun. And because of the rain, you protect it from the rain. I was talking about What were we talking about in the months of Nisan and the months of Tishrei? Tishrei is right around the corner two months from now. And certainly over here, you can understand, although America's uh, weather generally speaking is different, but you can understand the concept. It's rainy and it's sunny. Sometimes it's rainy and sunny at once. That's what we're talking about. We were never talking about a period, a season during which there was no honey. In it, the ikahama, the ikageshamim, the ikadevash, there is both uh, um, sun and rain, and as a result, there's also honey. As a result, in turn, says the Gemara, I have an easier answer to the question we began everything with. How could you be dealing with a beehive that you're allowed to cover? I thought the beehive is mukseh. It has honey. No, it can't have honey. It does have honey. All right, Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen. Not honey comes honey.